Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Gentlemen, episode four of the new series. How are we getting on? Good afternoon. Good. I'm still on a big I'm still on a big come down from the quiz, I'll be honest with you. Enjoy it. Oh aye. Oh aye. I think we should do one a week now. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Full bottle of gin went. Really? Were you up listening to Ferric? Yeah, he went on. Had a good hour on the sofa afterwards. That that that, that emoji round's got to go. <laughs> got to go. If, if, I tell you what, if, next time we do one, right, what we need to do is just before the quiz, just get the emoji round and just delete them all. You know what? You know what's made it worse. I actually thought I was doing you a favour as well because I did ten, and then I thought, you know what? I'm, a, I'm quite enjoying doing these, so I'll do another four or five. Oh my oh, god! It, 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 it worked out for the worst, didn't it? At best, I mean, it worst, yeah. <laughs> I got a message on um, somebody said he'd been out the Bolton game on the Saturday with his dad, and that all they talked about was how bad a question Ben Foster's was. <laughs> <laughs> I had a oh, message you brought it on before off a mate. Just it just said effing Bin Foster three <laughs> question marks. I think it could be the first time in under the Kosh quiz history that nobody got an answer right in that round. There was the uh, question with zero correct answers. No, no, we hope everyone enjoyed it. And we did the Patreon draw. Anybody yeah. who won will, will be in touch with the prizes. The yeah. weddings and all, won't they? Won't you be uh, rinsing all of them boxes that we've got given as prizes? Oh, the oddballs. The oddballs, because we've got one each, haven't we? I think three or four pairs each. There's some bloody crackers as well. Oh, double X, is there any double XL? Because I've got, obviously, quite a big uh, ass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm packing just round the back. <laughs> Unfortunately. So. Yeah, no, we'll have all them prizes out for the Patreons. Uh, I think Biggins went, went down well. One of my favourite stories, that, the pigeon. Yes. Oh, unbelievable. Anybody One of my favourite uh, stories. Anybody who's not on the Patreon and anybody who's not listened to it. Oh. I'm playing golf with him uh, Thursday and I'm looking forward to finding out if the guy who's owned the pigeons has heard about the... Found the truth. Finally found out the truth 25, 30 years later. <laughs> I think he has. I think there's someone out there who's a Patreon that knows him, knows this guy who owned the pigeons. Yeah, and, if you, and if you do, please do inform him. It would be a bloke who sold it him. Sold it him. He'll have heard it. If he say, remember them, them 15 brass pigeons I sold you? That bastard biggins. <laughs> well, no, a good episode, weren't it? Good yeah. episode. Jeff Winter this week. Top five, I'm going. Yeah. Good right, Johnny. I'm going top five. Not, I think a lot of it because it's the first referee 
But he's, he's brilliant, isn't he? Yeah, that's it. Because most of it, it was a lot of interest and stuff that we'd never really spoke about before in terms of like just refereeing and his thoughts on refereeing, rep, current referees. So, uh, there, were, there were a lot of little things that I never... like. I didn't realise you couldn't have the same referee doing the FA Cup final more than once. I never knew that. You wouldn't, you, you wouldn't have thought there'd be like enough, would you? You know, like enough at that elite level. Yeah, because we turned up thinking we only had probably just over an hour with him. But thankfully, he moved, he moved his hair appointment back. You could have done what? with cancelling yours today, John. <laughs> oh, dear. I don't, but believe it or believe it or not, I don't get an appointment. I just turn up and sit and wait. The Baghdad butcher. <laughs> oh, aye. That's him. Look, he's, to be fair, he's absolutely scalped me today. Am I sure? Us men, we're only two weeks off an half-decent haircut, aren't we? Yeah. But the one thing that I have dropped a bollock with, I had my nose done and all, you know, where they put the wax up and pull it out, and it's coming towards hair fever season, isn't it? So I, I could be in all sorts of trouble. I could be like a, I could be like an 18-month-old with just snot running down my, down my top lip. I'll tell you what, I'm looking up at now where he's done a bloody good job, though. I know, yeah. There was a whistle, that. It hurt, to be fair, because he pulled it the first time, it didn't all come out. So he's had to go again. They'll double pull. <laughs> I think we should get going back to the referee. I think we should get a, some more referees on. Yeah, I think it might be a good shout to be fair because it's different perspective from it, isn't it? You know, from their from their point of view and their opinion on players and whatever. Because he has a little bit of a bash at Danny, doesn't he? Well, he, Danny Mills had a which I couldn't remember, but Danny Mills does a, does have a. I mean, I think he calls him an an absolute cock. He calls him <laughs> so fair enough if he wants to stab back. Yeah. yeah. Fill your boots, Jeff. Fill your boots. Definitely. Yeah, about him being a football fan as well, because obviously he's a big Borough fan and he's a big Rangers fan. You don't think about that. They're obviously referees. They get into it because they're football fans. And mm. yeah, they have to put the loyalties aside sometimes. I know they can't, they can't ref their own clubs. Do you fancy it? Bit of refereeing? Don't think of anything worse. How would you go in? I'd be, I, obviously, can't give too much of the, the episode away, but I'd be too much like Jeff, I think, uh, and end up getting bothered. Well, having a bit of a laugh with them. Would not you not give laugh, it the old shoe away? Just give it the hand gesture. Not, not, not the shoe, because I think the shoe's a little bit disrespectful, but I think, I think I'd think i be too much like Jeff and, and actually care in the player's performance and stuff. I'd be a twat, me. I'd give it the shoe away with the hand. Uh, no, that doesn't surprise me one bit, to be honest. Yeah. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in charge here. Shorts pulled up your tits. Yeah. Shoelaces in a treble bow. The old World Cup song with the tongue stuck sticking up. Pencil behind your ear. What, what was that? What was that one that you used to like? I don't know if I've seen it on a Twitter video or something where he, he goes and he's proper dramatic with it, you know, when he's giving the cards out. Right, Dean, when, when Tottenham score, I'd be one of them as well. I'd be running out line with me hand in her. Go, 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 go. <laughs> I mean, I think Jeff said, didn't he? He once got booed off the pitch by both sets of fans. I think that could be you every single week. <laughs> You know, you know you've had a bit of a tonker, don't you, when you're getting booed off both fans. Should we get Jeff in then? Yeah, yeah. let's get him in. Come on, Jeff. People ring me up and ask me to do things. Can't I just say fucking you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that reason. I think it was Keen. Hearing Keen speak and he, about going into Bundry and stuff, and he, he read his horoscope on a morning 
and it said you need to stop saying no to things and, he, and I think he agreed to then go do one game as a pundit and then he's still there now so you mean this, you just is, said no to this is the kickoff to a couple of million pound a year <laughs> game is it <laughs> I don't think he'd be into horoscopes right I know he's like it's a true story he could be in so tennis. He just left him switch and they asked him to do a cup final or something. And he's, he's just saying Mystic no to Mac everybody. Mystic Meg turned it round for him. Yeah. Mystic Meg. So did you go home and away, Rangers? Yeah. Virtually, well, I've had a couple of hiccups. Well, we all have the last two or three years with COVID. I had a quadruple bypass. And then two years ago, I had a new knee. And then 18 months ago, my wife died. So it's been a fucking great time. And I just sort of through the back end of COVID thought, well, you know, you're killing yourself health-wise. Mm. Um, and I decided, you know, to settle down a bit and also with the football, because what's happened over the last few years with the footy is Rangers have been in the Europa League, so it's Thursday, Sunday, but are playing Tuesday, Saturday, get in there. <laughs> <laughs> but then you get... So I decided I was going to calm down, so... I'm up to Glasgow, I'm up to Scotland for the third time in six days tonight. Is Bury your number one team? Well, I like to make an analogy, um, not from personal experience, I hasten to add, but it's like having a wife and a lover. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure not many of your listeners, subscribers or whatever will be able to, um, you know, understand that theory because they'll be... <laughs> fiercely loyal people but you know you've got your you've got your wife your nice steady home life twice a week yeah and then you've got your sexy lover on the side <laughs> if you're getting away with it well, but then it's thrown into confusion because you know following the borough we've not had a good time over the recent seasons and rangers have fought back to the rightful position at the top. She let herself go for a bit, didn't she, the lover? Don't be too comfortable. Yeah. The girlfriend's been, you know, the, the, there it's been the highlight. But then the borough have hit form, and it's a bit like, do you continue the analogy? The missus has got out and got all the kits. She's got a, she's got <laughs> a new basque. Done. She's got a new basque. She's got a suzzies on. And it does your head in, you're coming home. So all of a sudden, the wife's up there on level terms with the girlfriend. <laughs> so to be quite honest, I love Borough and Rangers equally because I don't want to fall out with anybody. No, I'm Borough born and bred, and, you know, they're my first love. But Superb um, analogy, though. I know, yeah, I, know. I just made that up. That's after a night of watching the Borough. I'm still up on the fucking ceiling, I think. <laughs> I didn't even have a drink. Um, no, I mean, going up... I, went, I went, first went up to watch Rangers when... Ali McCoy, Mark Hartley, way back when in the 90s. I think I'd been up before that. And then it was when my refereeing career finished and I had time on my hands. I didn't want to be sat in the stands assessing and, you know, all that. Well, that's not really the truth. They wouldn't want me in this county. Because, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm not a yes man. And um, I started going up to, to Rangers and then the adventure of being put down into the lowest league and going to our broth on a Monday night. You haven't lived till you've been to our broth on I, a Monday mate, night. I've played at fucking Spennymore on a fucking Tuesday night. I've and... seen you play at Spennymore. <laughs> you had trouble getting up the bank. <laughs> that was the same as me when I was refereeing. Fucking hell, have I got to run up that hill? Um, but, you know, it was a great adventure and then got, started going to the European away games. So you can see the sexy analogy. Yeah. European away game in Moscow or Barnsley on a Tuesday night. So that's the difference, Rangers. A bit more Borough. exotic. 
But now, um, and, you know, as, as I was talking earlier um, about w- when Rangers were in the Europa League, they played Thursday night games because, you know, in the Europa League, you're playing about bloody 20 games a season if you're going to be um, successful in it. And Rangers were playing Thursday, Sunday, but they were playing Tuesday, Saturday. So that's going some, isn't it? Mm, Satisfying yeah. the wife and yeah. the lover. <laughs> <laughs> Four times a week at my age. No wonder you're, no you're fucked. No wonder I had a heart attack. <laughs> we've been, we're trying to work out on the way down whether you ref ever ref one of our games, but we can't. No, you two lads are far too young. Um, I finished in 2004. Well, I remember oh, Dave you in 99. We might have. Oh, she might have yeah. touched. Who were you playing for? Uh, Barnsley. Started at Barnsley, then I went York, Macclesfield. I'll have been at Sunderland then as well, but I don't think... I think saying that though, I said this about Mike Riley. He refereed one of our games, and you, you wouldn't even know. And I think that's a good thing for a ref. You know, if he just is fine, makes no stupid decisions, doesn't. Oh, you'd have remembered me then. <laughs> <laughs> but he gets a bit of a hard time, doesn't he, Mike Riley? But he's I've always said he's, he was sound. He, he was he was a quiet referee. You know, I mean, he was. You, you wouldn't see him, which is people say that's what uh, what you want, but. He was never a forceful character, you know, he was a quite reserved character and, well, he's overlooking this current crop and this current regime, which is another subject for another podcast on another three days. They're fucking shite, aren't they? (laughs) Well, I was trying to say that, but no, they're not fucking shite, but... um, (laughs) They're just shite. (laughs) Shite, yeah. Yeah. You can't argue with you, John. No, I mean, we, we do have some very, very good referees, um, I don't think we've got as many good referees as we did previously, but it's a different generation now. I would have fucking hated VAR. You know, I mean, mistakes are part of football, and I know people will always say, ah, well, referees' decisions, the costing clubs, the costing managers, so's the fucking useless centre forward on 40 grand a week who <laughs> misses open goals. That's true. You know, football isn't about perfection. It isn't mm-hmm. about every team doing everything right because who'd win the league? You know, mistakes, you know, the, the type of things that I thought VAR was brought in for, you know, the, the Thierry Henry handball, the, that, those type of incidents where the referee doesn't see it, he's unsighted, or when you see a player running at the penalty area now, I've got to watch it three or four times in slow-mo video before I can make my mind up, so God knows what the referee is expected to do. But, I mean, when you look at VAR in other countries... It was perfect in the Euros and it was spot on from a start in this country. And, you know, the likes of Mike Riley and people at the the FA, they've got to carry the can. They keep changing the fucking rules. We're talking more now about refereeing decisions than we were before VAR. And um, hopefully it'll settle down. But Who's, who's Who's the best in the Premier League, in your opinion? At the moment, best referee. Well, I'll I'll cause some controversy with you now, and you you'll have been refereed by him. I, I love Mike Dean. I know Mike Dean. He, he's gone showboat with That's his decisions. That's what I was on about. Sorry, I wasn't about Mike Riley. I was on about Mike Dean. Ah, well, I, I was sorry. a bit confused with yeah, you there. Sorry, <laughs> fucking Mike I Riley. I thought Mike Dean. I, it's early <clears> in the podcast. I'll be polite. I'll agree with you. <laughs> You're talking shit. <laughs> no, but, can we can we scrap all that? Dino is a character. Like I say, he's gone into this mode of, um, you know, 
all these demonstrative decision um, signals and that. But he's one of the lads. I mean, we used to laugh our heads off because when we were training, we 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 first group of full time referees. So if we were down at Daventry in camp, and there was a live game and on the Wednesday night, we used to sit in the room and obviously watch the game. And Dino was refereeing. He had this habit of, if a player gave him a mouthful, you know, he's the Wirral. So let's call him a posh scouser. <laughs> He'd turn around and go, "Sure, be a fucking knobhead. <laughs> and and you, we could see his lips. And, you know, we're in aesthetics. Well, I mean, in fairness, I'm not <laughs> saying that was right, but that has most definitely gone out of the game. I used to relationship. Well, look at when, you know, I, I had a career like that where... And my logic was these are lads, they're the footballers. That's what people have come to see, not to see the bloody referee. And when a referee does make a big decision, the fans then say, oh, he wants to be the centre of attention. That's what you're paid to do, make big decisions. But you're talking about highly tuned professional athletes who don't expect to be spoken to like they're a snotty-nosed kid at school. And, you know, I mean, I had some... Great banter with some of the lads. That usually I got on with the rogues, which probably ask you a question about me. But you know, Alex Ray was still a friend of this day. In see people like that, who you could turn round and they come at you screaming at you for a decision, and you just Give say, a bit "Fuck back. off!" You don't have such a good game yourself. And um, you know, then when they'd given me grief over what they perceived I'd got wrong, a couple of minutes later they put a shot and it goes into Rose's head. I'd just run alongside him and go, that was fucking shit. <laughs> and, and he had the banter. Yeah. But now, I mean, I might be weird. I, I couldn't referee in the present. And a lot of the lads, Mark Halsey, people like that from my generation, I don't think they could... We wouldn't get away with it. I tell you what, good, Uriah Rennie were good for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uriah were good for... You'd have a bit of crack with him and, and he'd be... And he'd always see a big smile on his face. And he'd be like, you've been fucking shit today. <laughs> well, he, he wouldn't argue with Yuri, I tell you. <laughs> oh, he, he was black belt in tiddlywinks or whatever. <laughs> he, was, he was incredible. He was a tough cookie. Um, but um, it's a different... It's a bit like, you know, I'm starting to feel like my granddad now, where in our day we did this, in our day we did that. But all the former players that... I speak to on the speaking circuit and great the money nowadays for players, great the money for referees. But I think we had the good days where you could have a bit of crack. A player is always going to try and get away with something on a football pitch. We know that before we go out. But if you see the little things early on in a game and you, you as a player think he's not missing much today, this bloke, You've got a respect for that referee. Mm-hmm. And if the referee also speaks to you as a human being, not as a naughty little boy, you've got even more respect for him. And, you know, in refereeing, I have never, ever met a referee who wants to book a player for taking his shirt off. We hate that. Mm. But they're the laws of the game. That's the thing where people say, our oh, referees are robots. Well, that's Mike Riley. He wants robotic referees. He, and people say they want consistency. So the only way you're going to have consistency is if you've got robotic referees where everybody does everything in exactly the same manner. Mm. But life's not like that. And, you know, you can see Mike Dean's a perfect example. You see his face at times and he's shaking his head. 
you fucking idiot. I'm going to have to book you for taking your shirt off. And then as a referee, you lose your concentration because you've booked him for taking his shirt off. And what's going through your mind, or it certainly went through my mind, is, oh, for God's sake, don't, 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 don't do anything else. Yeah. Because you imagine, or even the worse is the other way around, when a player's on a yellow... Now, I know you lads, you footballers, are not collectively the brightest bunch of in the Whoa, 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 Jeff. <laughs> but, you know, you've been booked, and then you take your shirt off, and the referee's stood there going, oh, shit, I've got to send him off. And then he's the twat, isn't he? Yeah. In the eyes of the fans, nobody, nobody wants that. Nobody wants to see. They go to watch a footballer. They don't want to see a player sent off. If you're sent off for a two-footed tackle, fair enough, but for a technical offence... But the refs have got to do it because that's, you know, it's no different to anybody else in any other walk of life. I'm sure, you know, people do not enjoy certain aspects of the job. But if they're in terms of employment, uh, you must do this, you must do that, you've got to do it. Who's been the most difficult one over the years to manage player-wise? Well, like I said, I got on with the bad bad guys, supposedly, but... On the pitch, you could always have banter, and I, I tended to find having a bit of crack. But then you'd get one player who'd turn around, oh, it's all a joke to you, this is my livelihood. And I used to say that, to be fair. Did but you? When, when I started going so down flip the it way, on its head. It's all right for you, mate. You'll be going back to your fucking school teaching job Saturday yeah, Monday. Yeah. This is our job. So you're just being a twat either way, yes. aren't you? Because you, you're good. saying you respect the banter, but at the same time, because <laughs> no, no, it's a ref, you're throwing it I back wish in. I you had oh, you're just having yeah. a fucking laugh now, are you? No, this is when, so this fun when making, for you. This is when they're making bad decisions. Yeah. And they, that that one. In your opinion, bad decisions. There were a fucking lot. There were lots of bad decisions. <laughs> but yeah, then you say that way. It's a fucking all right for you. This is not your actual job. <laughs> you find as a referee, you know, I mean, you can't talk to me like that. You've just fucking talked to me like it. You can't swear at me. But you've just sworn at me. You know what I mean? Come on. The rules are the same if you want to come to that level. But then there were players. I mean, everybody always asks you about the famous, the big-name players. I mean, never had any banter with Roy Keane. And I actually respected him for that in some ways because he was so focused on the game. He didn't want to be wasting his time talking to a bloody referee. Mm. Um, the other players, and I quoted guys I mentioned earlier, like Alec Ray and Paul Ince, you could have a bit of crack with them. You could have a bit of banter, as you could do with the majority. Would you let Alex Ray offer a tackle? Because you, you got on with him quite well. You know, if it's like a, a 75 percenter, it's probably a little bit more than a yellow, but... Borderline red. Because you got on with him well, would you think, ah, it's Alex Ray, you know, I'll just that, give me yellow. That is a brilliant question because I don't know the answer, but subconsciously yeah. you wonder about that. Just look at life in general. You're playing a game of football there and one player, there's two midfielders, one of them's been okay with you, a bit of crack, bit of banter for 89 minutes. The other one's been in your face, wanting free kicks, wanting penalties, never off your case. And then the last minute, there's a challenge in the penalty area between the two of them. Um, Mr. Good Guy goes down. Mr. Bad Guy's the one who's committed the tackle. Are you honest? Yes. Do you give what you say? Yes. But subconsciously up here, are you thinking? And I, I, John, I don't know the answer to that, but common sense, we all like to be liked. And if you were getting on with someone and not getting on with someone else, then subconsciously, maybe 
just maybe yeah, that's it. the way it goes. Mm. Because I can understand that, you know, if we're away from the football pitch and someone's, if one of you has been great with us asking sensible questions and then there's you, you know, and the odd questions are shite and I don't particularly <laughs> like your it's questions. Like, oh, Jeff, there's, a, there's yeah. a good chance that could happen. In the, yeah. in this I mean, I'm going to be more receptive to you and a little bit shorter with you. It's not human nature. So, you know, in answer to your question, which I've gone on for talking crap for the last five minutes, I don't know the answer, but... It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I think, I think, you, would. I think you would. Yeah, I think, I think... natural. Yeah, mm. I think I'd have, have a list of alt refs, the wives, kids' names. Then when I went to it, Mike, morning, chat, how are we doing? Well, to be fair, uh, some do that. Rob yeah. Kelly used to do that, didn't he? Mm. Uh, we've got uh, Jeff Winter there. He's a twat. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from him. He's a fucking arsehole. <laughs> but I need mean, get on first name terms, yeah. and you can talk to this one. You can. How's the family? Yeah. What was um, the crack with Keen? Because you sent him off at Southampton and then you didn't referee a Man U game for two years. He's been doing the homework. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thereby perhaps lies a story of the power that big clubs have. Because, I, I mean, when I was doing my autobiography, I had to do a little bit of research and you, you don't think of things like that. But I checked through and in that two-year period from sending Roy Keane off at Southampton... Um, I didn't referee Manchester United again. And during that same period, I think the least I'd refereed any other club was three or four times. And the majority of them, because there's only 20 teams in the Premier League. If the Borough are in the Premier League, I'm not getting Borough games, obviously. Um, and at other teams, I'd refereed five and six times. Now, that might be coincidence. Or it might be that Sir Alex, with his power, had said, we don't want that useless to have <laughs> And obviously Sir Alex got his own way. When I started refereeing locally, you know, Parks and Gardens, I had this team who were notorious. They were battlers. You, you wouldn't want to see them downtown on a Friday night. And I'd had them one particular Saturday, and I think they'd give me not, none out of ten, which, <laughs> which was marks. In fairness, it was only about two below me average. Well, you know when the Sunday people used to give you marks? I thought they'd change my name by deed, Paul. It used to say, Jeff Winter, Middlesbrough in brackets, two. And that was the same every week. But this team had marked me... Not out of ten, <laughs> and absolutely crucified me. I'd literally had, you know, seven or eight yellow cards and one off. And the club had turned round, you know, it's just a pub side, and they turned round and said, we never want that so-and-so again, not having him again. <laughs> it was the end of one month. The following Saturday, fixtures come out. The appointment secretary has given me that club again. So I've turned up at the changing rooms and you'd see daggers being looked. Came off the pitch at the end of the game. No yellow cards, no red cards. And the secretary who did the appointments turned round and says, I'll decide who's refereeing these games of football, not the clubs. And I'm thinking, I wish whoever was in charge, I think it was Ken Ridden in those days, whoever was in charge of the appointments of referees would take that attitude. What did you get the next game for them? Did, did they mark you as a three? Well, that's where the marking system works to your advantage in local football because there's a lot of local teams around here say, you've got us to thank for you getting onto the Premier League and refereeing the <laughs> Cup final. We gave you the highest marks we ever given a referee. So there's me stood there thinking, Billy Big Tam. Oh, thank you very much. 
Then they come out with the, the line saying, it wasn't that you were any good, you were that fucking bad. We thought that if we marked you up, you'd get promoted and we wouldn't have done <laughs> you again. <laughs> but, you know, if a referee, people used to... There's always little pet hates, isn't there? There's holding in the penalty area. There used to be a time when it was all about language where television could see Wayne Rooney or someone effing and blinding at the referee. And the want, you know, our kids get hammered for that playing on a Sunday morning. They're setting a bad, bad example. But I can tell you something now. If I'd have gone out there in my day, first week, sent John Terry off for Chelsea. Second week, sent Wayne Rooney off for Man United. Third week, sent Steven Gerrard off, which I'd never do, from Liverpool. <laughs> um, you'd think, oh, well, there's a referee. He's got the balls to stand up and he's hammering these players for dissent and foul language, cleaning the game up. I can tell you something, you'd be pulled to one side and a quiet little word. Right, you've done a good job, but let's just let's just calm down a bit because you can't really win, like you, you can't, can't win because can you, you want to be centre of attention or I taking a stamp I on the game. The FA Cup final, fortunately, you know the probably the biggest honour domestically you can get in refereeing, and um, on the morning of the game, I was taken to one side by one of the suits from the FA and just reminded of the importance of this game and the image it was sending across the world. And I'm thinking to myself, do you know, Jeff, you must be fucking stupid. Here you are, referee in the FA Cup final, having been in football all your life, and finally, on the morning of the game, someone's telling me the importance of the FA Cup final <laughs> and telling me that this game has been... Sh I didn't know that. Honestly, you could have knocked me down with a fella. But what they were, what they were turning round and saying is, we want you to do it properly, but, you know, the image and everything else... Bloody hell, if, if they can trust you to referee the FA Cup final, surely you know that by now. <laughs> yeah, and, I think so. You know, I mean, I my FA Cup final, which incidentally was the final game of my professional career, and that was something I can't remember had been done before because, you know, thinking of the after-dinner circuit and thinking of the... Um, autobiography that's in the pipeline nutting Roy Keane in the centre circle of the cup <laughs> final might just help book sales <laughs> mightn't it so you, you just didn't get those opportunities but I'm going into that game thinking please God I just don't want any controversy because if you have a bad game there's always next week there's always next season with it being the last game of your career that was what you were going to be remembered for forever. Yeah. And fortunately, one yellow card, Dennis Wise, which I think most people will uh, give, me, give me credit for. Who was the final? Manuel? Manuel Millwall. Manuel Millwall. Yeah, and Dennis played and uh, he tried the old um, skin nip on Ronaldo, picking him up off the floor, helping him. You saw him. it? Yes, of course I saw it. So yeah. <laughs> I had to do something about it. But, you know, I mean, the man, Gary Neville saw it, a few of the United players saw it, but they knew what was happening and had a word with him and that was it. And you come off at the end of the game and this was the feeling every Saturday, every Tuesday. Whew, and sometimes it wasn't necessarily down to you because if you start, if 22 footballers have decided this is the local derby, this is the local war, we are just going to kick fuck out of each other. <laughs> then it doesn't matter whether you're Kalina, who you are, you can't control that. I mean, my mate Howard Webb, referee in the World Cup final, 
brilliant guy, brilliant referee. And that particular day, the two teams, was it Holland and... I remember it, yeah. Was it Spain? I can't remember Kick now. Kick fuck out of each other. And they did. And, you know, if the players decide... That's taken out of the referee's control. You can go in with the right attitude, trying to settle things down. But if the players have decided we're not having any of that, then you just go along for the ride. And sometimes, you know, if it's a bottom of the table, middle mid-table clash you get away with it. But if it's the highest profile game, then, you know, if the referees had to send three players off in the first half hour, he then gets accused of spoiling the game. Yeah. If he doesn't send the players off and it ends up as a World War Three, he should have got control of it mm -hmm. sooner. So people say, I will always defend referees. That's not the case. I'll always try and look at it from a referee's point of view. But sometimes, no matter how good you are, no matter how experienced you are, it's in the hands of the gods. How soon before the cup final do you know you're doing it? Because like, that's the big call up, isn't it? <clears throat> and I imagine there's a bit of rivalry, rivalry there. Well, gets you it. see a lot of things come into account. Um, it is a typical FA decision. I mean, I later found out that there was a lot of people again in, in positions of power one of them being David Ellery, who used to be a, co a colleague of mine, high up on the referees committee, they didn't want me to get the FA Cup final because I hadn't been a FIFA referee. And they seemed to think that you needed that experience. You could referee Tottenham versus Arsenal, Liverpool versus Everton, Man United versus Man City, but because it's the FA Cup final um, and you didn't have the white badge... Um, they didn't want you to have it. And that year, ironically, I mean, I've followed Borough um, from being a kid and then post-refereeing career, obviously fo following them, and I work for the club now. But um, Borough, through the vast majority of my life, to put it into a footballing term, have been shite. <laughs> you know, we've, ne we've never got in chance of winning anything. And ironically, in my last season... That word on the street, because the last couple, two or three seasons on the Premier League, according to others, I'd refereed well. You know, I was getting good games, all the big derbies, and, and I was in line to referee the um, League Cup final. And that's the fucking year. Borough hit blob, don't they? <laughs> and I'm at the Riverside for the second leg against Arsenal, and Borough win, and they're going to Wembley. And I always remember a guy called Jim Ashworth, former football league referee. He'd have refereed you, lads. And um, he was in charge of the appointments, and he came across to me and he said, look, um, you look you look as if you're happy, Jeff. He says, well, uh, you, you've probably heard on the grapevine. He says, I've obviously got some bad news for you. You were going to referee the League Cup final this year, but Borough of you know, done you for that, you're obviously not going to be going to Cardiff you to are referee. Bit sweet. And, and I just turned around and I said, hey, I was a Borough fan before I started refereeing, I'll be a Borough fan after I've finished refereeing. Am I happy that Middlesbrough going to the first sort of major cup final in the history? And I was cock-a-hope. I'm a fan. Yeah. And, you know, that particular season, the way it panned out, I refereed at Leicester City on the Saturday afternoon, drove straight down to Cardiff with family and friends, to, ref uh, to watch the Borough against Bolton. Uh, Mike Riley refereed it, and Sam Aldice came out post-match with a um, wonderful statement. Um, 
But he turned round and said, we'd rather have had Jeff Winter referee and he's a fucking Borough fan. He wasn't too keen on my ride. And then as things panned out, you know, it's getting towards the end of the season and people, as referees and people, Jeff, you must have a chance of the cup final. But because I wasn't on the international list, it wasn't probably going to happen. And then cup semi-final weekend in the old days where they used to have one on the Saturday and one on the Sunday. And Sunderland played... Millwall. Millwall. And was it Man United Arsenal? Or I can't remember who was in the other one. But I was refereeing at Liverpool on the Sunday. It's funny, there's another little bit of a story comes out of this because that was my last ever visit to Anfield. So when I did my book, I put a piss take in it and I'd put... Um, the Liverpool fan, at the full-time whistle, the Liverpool fans burst into a round of applause. With the Scousers being so knowledgeable about football, they probably knew it was my final game and it was a show of appreciation for <laughs> me. With two asterisks after it, like trying to say, yeah, yeah tongue fuck and off. Cheek. You know, tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> of course, when the book come out and it's been proofread, I've never read the book since. You know, I mean, it is a little bit arrogant and egotistical to sit around a swimming pool on holiday. <laughs> oh, were you, you know, were you first? Were you just looking oh, What are you reading? Oh, I'm reading my autobiography. <laughs> Do I love myself? So I've never actually read it, and then all the shit come out because they missed the asterisks off, and people were going... Fucking, does he love himself? <laughs> I think in the crowd at Liverpool. Uh, but in fact, it created a little bit of a talking point. Now I'm thinking, few more books sold, that's not a problem. So I've had this weekend refereed at Anfield for the final time. Um, end of the game, Mark Halsey was my fourth official and he's had a word with Liverpool. And even though referees are sort of hated by anyone and everyone, within the game... You get, I mean, at home, if people come round our house, they'd kill me round here. In the porch, I've got a Newcastle United shirt, but it was signed by Sir Bobby, Alan Shearer, all the lads, and it was presented to me uh, with a little plaque on the bottom saying, in recognition of your services. And, you know, your final season, you'll get something mm. like that. Mark Halsey's had a word at Liverpool, and I've got Stephen Gerrard's match-worn shirt. Now, I refereed Stephen Gerrard's debut game where he came on as a late substitute I was fourth official at Wembley when he made his debut as a substitute for England and always one of my favourite players he then ends up managing uh, Rangers. Rangers, so I've had a good weekend I'm going home, there's a few bob in the pocket from the races, I've got Stephen Gerrard's signed shirt you know the bit on the, you'll know it on the M62 where you go over where that lunatic said, you're not um, building a motorway yeah. through my farm. <laughs> Just going by there and the mobile goes. In a way, you're thinking, why is the fixtures appointment secretary from the FA ringing me on a Sunday night at 7 o'clock? And he told me, and I, I don't know how I drove home the rest of the way because you just float in. Um, yeah. And then you've got the build-up to the game, you know, probably a month or so after that. So that was, you know, it was special. And in a way, with it being my last game, it was something to look back on. Do you know if someone got to the final, would that have affected you? I know oh. it's not Middlesbrough, but would it geographically? I was, told, I was told not, but you see, geography in, in England is something that people just don't understand, especially Southerners. 
Um, you'd have referees like David Ellery, who lived in Harrow, refereeing at Tottenham, Arsenal. You'd have Steve Bennett and Barry Knight, who were in Kent, refereeing um, Crystal Palace. And, I mean, it wasn't worth picking up your exes for. You were about eight miles, ten miles from the ground. I referee at Sunderland on Newcastle. I remember refereeing Sunderland versus Watford and Graham Taylor going absolutely berserk that I'm on the doorstep. Has he never seen a fucking map? <laughs> <laughs> Sunderland's 25, 30 mile away. Newcastle's 45 mile away. And But then the fans tipped it over the other way. You, you smoggy bastard, yeah. you're going to yeah, give Newcastle nothing, mm. you're going to give Sunderland nothing... And if the borough were involved in a relegation scrap, then, as they usually were, that was brilliant. Not, as, not for the borough or not for the fans, but brilliant for me because I was getting all the top-of-the-table games <laughs> because they wouldn't appoint me. If, if, say, it was West Ham and Derby and Borough and someone else involved at the bottom of the table, they wouldn't give me a game featuring any of these teams just not because I'm going to do anything... But the perception... Yeah, just said the asshole. But now it doesn't matter. Anthony Taylor referees at Man United and Man City and he lives, you know, he lives in Greater Manchester. Mm. They don't seem to bother about that. And, you know, people often say that, oh, you'd give Newcastle nothing. It's a game of football and when you go out there as the referee, it's your reputation, it's your career. And if you're going to be bent which is the only way that people are describing it, it's going to be so obvious. And yeah. I'm, I'm not clever enough to cover that up. You know, I mean, refereeing a vital Middlesbrough game and Middlesbrough just missed the fourth consecutive penalty <laughs> in the first 25 minutes of the game. I think um, people might put two and two together there. Is there any high-profile decisions where you look back and think, I got that wrong? In hindsight. Probably my first marriage. Um, <laughs> I loved her at the time. <laughs> she did provide me with three wonderful children, but, you know, upon hindsight. Um, and the other one, I don't know what you lads did as players, but was always a cue for the low before you went out. Yeah. Yeah. And I would go for a wee, 10 minutes to three, get back into my changing room, and eight minutes to three, I don't know why I'd go for another wee. Because it, it's just something that's going on into your preparation and all the rest of it. Now, if it's... And obviously, you used to watch what yet before a game. But um, I think my decision that I would change, possibly, was in a pre-season friendly, not far from me, Bedford Terrace, Billingham Town versus Darlington. And with it just being a pre-season friendly, I don't know whether I'd followed my pre-match diet and pre-match routine properly through and through. 25 minutes into the game, you know when you get that twinge? Oh, I, oh, I know it well. You've had that. <laughs> I know it well. Well, I've had this twinge and I've looked down at my watch. Okay, 20 minutes to go. We'll be all right. We'll be all right. And then I've looked at my watch again and there's only 18 minutes to go. And then I look at my watch again, there's 17 minutes to go. I'm not going to last a lifetime. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to make this. Now, it's... <laughs> You might think Billingham Town versus Darlington isn't the biggest game on the calendar, but Darlington's only 15 mile away. It's a pre-season friendly. There's probably about 2,500 Darlington fans at the ground, so there's an atmosphere and there's nowhere really to hide. And there's an injury or something, a stoppage in play, 
and I nip across towards the halfway line. Um, young linesman, giving them a bit of experience at a game like that, I've just handed him the whistle, grabbed the flag off, him and said, go on, you do, you, you finish the first half off, bit of experience. So you're doing him a favour. <laughs> doing him a favour, but what a, what a star Jeff is. <laughs> Down the tunnel, into the dressing room, I won't be too explicit, but I was in there a few minutes and came out half a stone lighter. <laughs> Nipped back out, waited for another break in play. I've still got the Lano's flag in my hand. Nipped onto the pitch, wrestled the whistle off the, the young lad, give him the flag back. Refereed the final 15 minutes, 10 minutes of the game, of the half. Of the half. We're coming off at half time. Um, head across, the line has come across to us, the young lad, oh, thanks for that, Jeff. It was, it was a good experience. Well, why did you choose to do that then? I said, well, you know, when the game was stopped, I said, I, I know, I looked down and my bootlace had snapped and I thought, oh, you can imagine in the middle of a game <laughs> having to stop the game, fannying about getting a new, drawing all the attention. I just thought it was easier to go off, put a new lace in. Now, by this time, we've walked down the tunnel, turned round the bend and just opened the referee's door and gone into the referee's room. The other linesman was a little bit more experienced now. I was saying, so I just put a new lace in because the other one was knackered and the other liner just turns up and goes, as we walked into the dressing room, goes... And did it smell a shite as well? <laughs> and so, in fairness, biggest mistake probably was what I had to eat prior to that game, um, you know, and not making sure I was ready to last 45 minutes. <laughs> and that wasn't the fucking answer you would expect, <laughs> was it? It's caught us off guard, I'll be honest. <laughs> Do you, uh, obviously, you, you get whatever referee gets paid. Do you get paid a bonus for doing the cup final? No. You don't get any extra or anything? No. Um, in fact, until a few years before I did it, thank God, you didn't even get the fee because it was deemed... You, you get, you know, the little gold medal, similar, I'm presumed, to the winners and losers medals, and the honour of refereeing the FA Cup final and getting your gold medal for doing it, that was deemed as reward enough. Mm. And it was, I'm sure it was probably, I might be totally wrong, but I'm sure it was only in the 1990s or something like that that you ended up getting a, a match fee. Mm. So, you know, the, the big, that sums up some people and the old FA principles. You know, they're telling you before the game, this is the most watched game in world football, domestic game in world football, but we can't afford to give you a, yeah. a, a fee for it. <laughs> All that pressure. Yeah, but when you do it for free. Having said that, when you consider something that only, I think, happens in uh, this country, you know, you look it up in Scotland where the top referees in Scotland have refereed the Scottish Cup final five or six times, in England, until a couple of years ago, when they decided, because of the COVID, when the cup final was pay, played behind um, closed doors, they gave it to a referee who'd refereed the game previously because they said, well, after COVID, if you were going to get to referee the FA Cup final for once in your career, um, it would be lovely to have a full house and it'd be a proper day. Mm. And that was the first time in the history of the FA Cup that the same person had refereed more than one final. So you're only ever going to get 
one FA Cup final or one League Cup final in your career. And when you consider there's only one a season and how many referees there are, there's far better referees than me have never, ever got that honour. Mm. See, that's a bit of a shambles in itself. Surely the best referee... Well, that happens in rugby league and yeah. things like that. The best referee's got to referee the, 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 final. the cup final. Whether you've had like it a once, point twice, system. five times, whatever. Yeah. It's a bit oh, like... Hey, um, I tell you something. There's was, a lot the, of politics. The, the politics in referees, the refereeing, that have been the same person sucking off the um, appointment <laughs> secretary <laughs> every year. <laughs> My God. Would you have had five or six? No. <laughs> So with a lot of attention. Joking, I'd have had none, I can tell you. <laughs> I'd have had none. Graham Pollard have done 23 on the bounce. I was going to ask you about the, re- the Red Wine Club. Yeah. Oh, well, I wasn't in that, as you, you well remember. You see, does this surprise you? And people say, oh, referees, they're all in it together, they're all the same. We, you just summed it up there. Our first group of professional referees, I think there was 23 of us um, that went full-time, and that was three years... T- from the end of my career. Now, if you can cast your memory back, remember when you got your first pro contract in football, you were hoping to make it and you've made it. Well, at 45 year old or something, Eddie Wollstoneholm and myself got our first, that pro contract to be one of the first referees and it was like being a 16 year old again to think that I am not gonna have to go to work and train in my lunch hour or train on the, in the dark on a night that I could train properly, properly prepare for games. Yeah. So, you know, being in part of that, it was a good question, which I've got to be honest, I forgot what, what was the question. The Red Wine Club. <laughs> oh, the Red Wine Club. Was, I was, was there, trying, to, no, trying to dodge it. North-South Divide. Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking that... Uh, you'd I'm, think referees would all stick together, wouldn't you? Because it's almost like everybody's against you. So you'd think the referees stick together... Us v them kind of mentality. Yeah. I'm just going to try and dodge. I suppose when there's only that one place for the big games as well, and there's there's obviously going to be personality clashes. Think of a goalkeeper, and you've got two goalkeepers in the squad. There's only one position. Point you've just made as a referee. There's only one cup final. There's only one referee can referee City United, Liverpool, Evan. So there is fierce competition, and you've got a squad of 23 people and there is backbiting there are clicks you know when Howard Webb came on the list I believe he was late 20s and then there's the old so-and-so's like me who are coming to the end of the career in our mid-40s so you did have different attitudes and there was a little bit of a north-south divide there was Graham Paul and he had Graham Barber Rob Stiles and a couple of the Steve Dunn, Paul Durkin, that that they'd grew up and gone through refereeing in their parts of the world together. And then we had the Rough Northern mob, you know, Uriah <laughs> Rennie, Matt Messias, myself, Mark Halsey. Funnily enough, Mike Riley was in with us. Uh, I wouldn't include him in the rough section, though. Um, <laughs> so, yes, there were little clicks and... They had their sort of, you know, on a Thursday night after we'd trained, the, the gaffer who... Our gaffer initially was Philip Don and then became Keith Hackett. And, you know, the old medical history was that a glass of red wine didn't do you any harm. Um, So we were allowed a glass of red wine with our evening meal. Well, a couple of the other boys would take a bottle and have another glass because, you know, once you've got the taste. And there was four or five of them that'd end up in one room 
and all the nutters would end up in my room. And, <laughs> you know, there was... To say a click sounds like we were at war, but the, it was no different, I, I imagine, to a football squad. Mm. Well, well, I was thinking would there would be, be like, like team-building exercises and oh, Christmas well, party? Pay, pay pay Christmas well, well you ballers. might find this very hard to believe, but there was a social side, and when we first got together, Pete Jones was from um, Leicestershire was the social secretary, and Pete's a lovely, lovely lad, and we'd organised a variety of things you know, that went from Connect Four to a night of 10-pin bowling. We'd have a golfing afternoon for the ones who were golfing. But then Pete retired and it went downhill because I got the social secretary's job. <laughs> and we had some... T- I mean, we used to go horse racing on it before we met for training. We'd go to Toaster, uh, which was the nearest track. 10-pin bowling was always popular. And th- when we were all together... There was a morale and you you had mates within the group. I mean, I ended up in his first season as having Howard Webb as my um, roommate to sort of bed him into the new system. And you, you formed special friendships, as I'm sure players do, you know, and there were some people you got on with, some you didn't. And it's not a secret that some of us didn't get on with some others, um, <laughs> especially when you're competing for the same yeah. games. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Uh, Sport to Martin Allen when he was on, and he was... I don't know how he ended up getting involved with the referees, but he was on the some kind of panel. Assessment. Assessment right. thing. And I was yeah. asking him about managers, like who's the best manager was to deal with and stuff. And he said every time he'd go up, at, if he was at a Chelsea Man U game or whatever, Jose Mourinho would be sat with the referee with a cup of tea and just keeping them sweet for whatever. It's like what we spoke about <laughs> earlier, isn't it, with the decisions by the players who you like? Yeah, yeah but that he, depends he, how far it goes. I mean, I grew up... Um, as a football fan and Bruce Rioch was at Middlesbrough but then when he ended up at Bolton Colin Todd was his assistant he used to invite the referee into his office for a cup of tea and you know it was one of those bit like the day nobody knows we're all scared to open our mouths and say anything (laughs) we were all just sort of sat around and there's this horrible atmosphere of what the fuck am I doing in here? <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> Awkward. That's the perfect world. And, um, you know, you were thinking, what is his purpose in doing that? Is he just being a nice, friendly guy? Or is he trying to, to butter you up? Mm. Um, but then you got the other extreme of the manager who did try and be nice and butter you up. And I refereed at Aston Villa one night they playing, I can't remember who they were playing, but it was when David O'Leary was there. And David O'Leary had this image on the television as everybody's favourite uncle sort of came across. <laughs> we win nothing with young boys. And he smoothed, you know, his, that his soft Irish lilt to him. And him and I had had a few run-ins. Um, and, no, you know, if, if you don't like me, just tell me to me face. Don't butter it up. I'm not going to go against you or for you. 
I know you don't like me. And so we'd just arrived in my old kit bags and he comes in, oh, hello, hello, gentlemen. Oh, I won't do the Irish accent crap. Uh, not the Irish <laughs> accent crap, it's my <laughs> And he's come across to us and gone, um, safe journey, lads. Um, good to see you again. And I think he's so insincere. <laughs> and I've just looked at him and I've gone, terrible, actually. He, he, the A58 just near um, Leeds, I said it was chocker. We've gone to the A38 and oh, that was murder. Coming into Birmingham, it's been an absolutely horrendous journey. And I've just noticed him turning his head because he's obviously asked the question. But not really bothered about the answer. <laughs> and he'd gone and then he'd started to sort of turn away and I've just gone, well, if you're not interested, why did you fucking ask? <laughs> and... Um, and they, I mean, obviously, I've been on the... Nowadays, can you imagine a referee doing that? That would be the end of the career. And he just turned around, give me daggers. Um, and while I'm on the Aston Villa story, and it goes back to something you said earlier about players that you could talk to and banter that you could get away with. Now, I was working on the after dinners a couple of weeks ago with Alex Ray, and he recalled the story of I'd refereed... Um, him playing for Wolves at Leicester and he was involved in a confrontation with Mark Dickoff, um, Paul Dickoff and you know they're both three foot six going at each other hammer and tongue and I've just gone across to them and I've said I'll have the fucking pair of you in the centre circle at the end of the game if you don't behave yourselves <laughs> to which Alex knowing me just turns round and laughs and goes aye alright Jeff Dickoff like looks at me as if what the hell's going on here <laughs> and back at Aston Villa I used to use this now people will say now why aren't you coaching the future generations of referees Jeff because the career would be over in two <laughs> minutes that's why because what went on then you got away with it the banda and I'm refereeing at Villa Park and I've given a free kick to Aston Villa just outside the penalty area and Steve Staunton has ran from his own half get this right it's a free kick to Aston Villa He's playing for Aston Villa. He's done about 35 yards into me face. And he, he was a player, him and I. Now, I've heard rumours that he didn't particularly get on with that many people, but he certainly didn't get on well with this smoggy referee. And he's come running up to us, full in the face, screaming and shouting. And I'm thinking, what the fuck are you going on about? I've given, <laughs> I've given you the free kick. And I'm a little bit sort of confused, and he's still ranting on us. I said, hey... I said, if you come from where I come from, you get a smack in the mouth talking to people like that and thinking, that'll calm it down. And it would have done if I'd said that to NC or the vast majority of other footballers said, all right, Jeff, yeah, fair enough. It's your free kick, get on with it. Come off at the end of the game into the referee's room and you talk about the assessors and Brendan Batson was working for the FA as an assessor. Great guy, he used to come in and... He was a little bit more sombre when he came in and um, we've got a bit of a problem, Jeff. <laughs> and I said, what's that? He says, well, I've just been talking to Steve and he's the PFA representative at Aston Villa and he says, they're going to report you to the FA um, because you've threatened to punch him. And I said, didn't say that at all. And I've explained to him what's actually been said and he's turned round to me and said, well, 
I think it's gone too far. And then through the back of my mind, I'm going to get done over this because they, the authorities, quite rightly, are going to turn around and say, well, you shouldn't even use those words in mm. jest. Even though it was meant as a little bit of banter, yeah. cool it down. Who the fuck are you talking to? <laughs> you know, that's what it was. You, if, if I'm talking to you, nice. You accept it. But if, but if you hammer someone like this, then... Um, so I thought, that's it. That's the end of it. That's going to be me done. We've come out the dressing room at the end of the game, just going to the car park. And as I, I'm coming out, um, Brian Little's the manager. A lovely, lovely guy, Brian. And he looks at me somewhat sheepishly. And um, I've just looked back at him. I said, do we need to have a word? And he said, I think we should, Jeff. I said, well, can I tell you what happened? He says, well, I think you'd better because... Steve is going for you. He's gonna. He's not having that. Not having a referee talking to him like this. I said, "Well, look." I said, "This is what happened. He's come flying at me. I don't want to dish a yellow card. I don't want to dish a red card because he'd, he'd been giving us some verbals in with it, effing and blinding and everything else." I said, "I tried to kill it." I said, "You know my style. The yellow card, the red card is the last resort." I said, "But I tell you what, all bets are off now." Don't worry about it. You want consistency. Next time I have you, no banter, no crack, no patter, straight yellows, straight reds. He goes, oh, hang on a minute, Jeff. Leave this with me. I'll sort it. Never heard anything more about it. But that was sort of a, one of those where, as a referee, knowing your player, you've said something that most players would have just turned around and had a laugh or if he'd been Alex Ray, he knew I meant it. I would have punched him. And that's, not, <laughs> that's, that's not what. That's not what I was saying. I was just. Oh, Which, if I'd have turned around and said, "Oh, the fuck do you think you're talking to?" Maybe my words were wrong, but it's all very well having these principles of having a bit of banter and having a crack. Yeah. But if a player takes it the wrong way, you can end up with egg on your but face. But then it's like you said, like taking personality out of the game and taking personality out of your job, Stones just having everybody to be robots. You know, when people say. Do you miss refereeing? Well, I don't miss refereeing because in life, once you've been a referee, suppose it's a bit like a religion or Freemasonry or something, once you've joined the club, you're there for life. <laughs> now, I last refereed a game of football professionally in 2004, but I'm still a referee. And if I go to Ibrox and sit in the stand, something happens on the pitch, they turn round, and I get it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what the fuck's it got to do with me? I'm here to watch the football team, to support the football team. And I, ah, you're all the same. <laughs> and because I won't just turn round and jump, stand up and sing the referees a wanker with the rest of them, which is another story I'll come on to in a minute... Um, <laughs> because I won't join in and decry the referee. You see, when a decision happens on a pitch and you think that's the wrong one, my logic is, why has he made that? Is he in a bad position? I'm not being defensive. I'm just trying to think, well, why? And hasn't he seen it? Whereas because I don't come out and condemn the referee straight away, you're all the same. You're all tired defending your mates. Um, so perhaps I should just stand up and sing the reveries of <laughs> But on that particular subject, that to me is one of the greatest mysteries. I left being a referee with that, and it confused me that the term sang by everybody, the referees of wanker, 
is classed as being derogatory. <laughs> now, when you look into the ground and see the type of person that is singing the referees a wanker, <laughs> I've got to be honest with you, wanking is probably the closest they've ever been to a sexual relationship <laughs> in their lives. <laughs> now, to the best of my knowledge, on rare occasions... Men and indeed ladies sometimes do resort <laughs> to that form of action as a release. So if everybody's doing it, how can it be derogatory? So lads and lasses out there singing the referees a wanker. I'm sorry, it it just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> no. Am I right or am I wrong? Tell the one about uh, Deepdale Duck. Oh, Preston. you have done your homework. Well, we, well, we, we played, we played, played, played at Preston, so we fucking oh. got it every other week. Well, you know him, and this is a, this is a true story. Oh God, I hope he's not listening to this. <laughs> it's going to be so embarrassing. So you used, to, I mean, mascots. They, I mean, they say referees are a strange breed of people. Mascots have got to be strange, don't they? <laughs> You come a Saturday afternoon and you put this bloody thing on. The, the temperature inside there <laughs> must be, oh, God knows what, especially in the height of the summer. And, of course, referee, Linos, meet the skips. Before the game, captains come up, mascots always there. And deep dill dunk, he <laughs> fucking stunk. <laughs> Unbelievable. Can you clarify this? Like, yeah. Was it, was it you, lads, yeah. you lads know this. I'm glad it's not just me. He <laughs> used to open the, open the changing room door and it hit you. Oh, I mean, they, they must take this duck costume off. Um, what's it, is that what it was, a duck? duck yeah, I yeah. can't even remember. Um, and they'd put it in some room... And it would just fester in there. <laughs> it's got pissy wet one Saturday. The sun's on it. It's stunk. And he'd come out. So you'd be meeting the captains. And this stench hit you. And that happened on a few grounds. But let's say Preston were Premier League on this one. In smelliest mascots. <laughs> so my referee comes to, refereeing career comes to a sad and dismal end. And I decide to eke out a meagre existence by going on the after-dinner circuit and talking shite like I've done today. Um, bookings are available and can be taken over, over John Parkin at any <laughs> stage in the future. <laughs> so a couple of years later, I'm over in that part of the world and I'm doing a, a charity dinner or whatever at um, somewhere near Preston. And people will come up for some bizarre reason, they want your autograph or photographs. Um, and things like that. And there's a little bit of a queue, and then this guy comes up to me, um, big lad, and he just looks at me and says, you don't remember me, do you? <laughs> and I've gone... I've gone... You were the mascot at Preston, <laughs> <weren't you?" laughs> And he's turned round to me, his face... Absolute amazement. <laughs> Former Premier League referee, and he remembers me from Preston. He says, Hey, that's brilliant. That he's he, poor lad, he obviously hadn't got all his marbles at home, which is probably why he's a mascot at Preston. <laughs> but no disrespect, other clubs could easily fit into that accusation. And he's come across and um, he's left and he's gone away with a beam and a beam. And I think I was working with John Styles, you know, Nobby Styles' son, the comedian, at this particular night. And he goes to me, he says, you'll never cease to amaze me, you. He says, 
How did you remember him? He says, surely he had a bloody big duck's head or something on. And I just looked at John and I went, the fucking stench. <laughs> I said, you would never forget that. And I, and I actually thought, that is quite significant, that. I've seen a bloke once a season for two or three seasons. He's had a duck's head on. I've never seen his face. I don't know who he is. But all those years later in a nice little social club doing his after-dinner speaking job. <laughs> it's him. <laughs> it's Deep Dill Duck. <laughs> so I hope he's live and well. But actually, this has been brilliant because I thought it was only me, but you lads knew about yeah, all this. So well. it was him, not the suit. Yeah, it was terrible for... No, well, that's, I'm a little bit scared in this present climate of legal um, action being taken, so... I don't honestly know whether it, it was might him have, might have just lingered. or the suit, but if you think it through, <laughs> the suit wasn't there at this charity dinner. <laughs> so draw your own conclusions. It doesn't take a good wire on to figure out. Somebody asked about um, what happened in the tunnel when you when you booked Harton. Bradford Wimbledon, oh, yeah. was it? Yeah. I prided myself down the years that, you know, I mean, at the time, Arsenal... Had a, well, I still have a horrendous disciplinary record, but I never sent an Arsenal player off. So, you know, I did pride myself on not keeping 22 players on the pitch. And I think one towards the end of my career, I'm sure I went about five or six Premier League games on the bounce without a single yellow card. I had one over Easter one year, and it was a vital relegation battle at Bradford City, uh, Bradford City Wimbledon. And if you've played there, which I know you lads have, it's unbelievable, the changing area. Mm, Um, In fact, we talked about the pre-match toilet routine. There, there was only one cubicle for both teams. So you'd, you know, 25 minutes before kickoff, if the ref wanted to go at the low, he'd stand in the queue with, <laughs> you know, there'd be four or five players in front of you, and uh, that there was a few snap laces uh. in there because <laughs> it smelled a bit. Um, and, and then you got round to um, the referee hits the bell to come out. Well, in the tunnel... There's not... Well, me and you, we'd be fucked, me and yeah. you, John. <laughs> All right, um, fucking hell. Yeah, we would be. There's no chance. We'd be having sex, because if we walked past <laughs> each other, there wasn't enough room. Very tight, in it? Very, very tight, even for normal-sized people. And you've got the um, away team are lined up, and then you go down a little... down a couple of steps and out on the pitch. And the home team come out and have to walk alongside them... And Stuart McCall is captain of Bradford City. John Hartson is playing for uh, Wimbledon. And as they've come past each other, allegedly, because don't forget I'm at the back, I haven't seen this, I think um, John Hartson's given Stuart McCall a little gazer, give him a little little squeeze. Squeeze his plums. Squeeze the plums, and it kicks off. So we've got that very narrow space. I'm at the back, just come out my dressing room, and it's kicking off. It's five or six players at it. And, I mean, there was no punches or anything, but they were both flying at each other, pushing and shoving. And, and um, Stuart obviously hasn't took to it too kindly, as you wouldn't. Um, so I've managed to get through them, and I've called the, get the captains up for the kick toss up on that before the game and I've just turned round and I said 
you know what I'm like? We'll have a bit of banter. We'll get on with it. I said, you've broken the fucking rules today. I said, you're getting away with now today. If that's the way you want to play it, away you go. I couldn't do anything with, with John because I hadn't seen it. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's 15 players between me and the incident. So um, then we got out there and... John left us in about the 60th minute, I mean. <laughs> so, he warned him. He had warned him, so it, it took a little bit of time to get the decision right, you know. There's nothing in the laws of the game from the refereeing point of view um, that you've just got to get the decision right. <laughs> you just normally, send them off eventually. Now, people complain about VAR... And, you know, it takes two or three minutes for the referee to come to his right decision. It took me 60 fucking minutes that day. <laughs> but um, that was the first time in my career I thought, normally I've lost control after five minutes of the game. I'd lost control 15 minutes before the game. <laughs> if, if you took all the politics out of it and, the, and the, the media hype and everything, would you like the opportunity to give an interview at the end of a game to explain your decisions? Well, again, this is down to the authorities. They had this attitude where they didn't tell us we couldn't, but it was one of those on your own head, right. be it sort of thing. And I can only remember a couple of examples. Um, Man United at home to Newcastle United and there was an, in, an incident in the penalty area and I can't remember now, it's too long ago, but um, I think the ref had either not given a penalty or given a penalty. I think he, he'd not given a penalty and he came on at the end of the game and that was typical of Paul Durkin, an excellent referee, great man-manager with the players, one of the lads... And he just said, I've got to hold my hands up. I've just seen it on the TV and I apologise, I got it wrong. Now, that's a bit like the apology from the Everton Man City. It's not going to change anything, but a few people said, well, at least he had the balls to come yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's right. right. That opinion. And <clears throat> I, two examples, one, what you've just asked me, and another one that showed the sort of pressure referees were under. I refereed Leeds United... Um, away to Liverpool. Peter Reid was manager of Leeds at the time. There's an offside decision. The Linos put his flag up, chalked a goal out for offside for Liverpool at Anfield. And it was one of those where, from the linesman's point of view, and as we've all seen with VAR, what, I mean, refereeing's hard enough, but running the line is impossible. You know, we're now seeing mid-G's and that was always the case before we had VAR and a line over 40 yards away has got so many things to assess the split second to get it right and and they do an absolutely brilliant job in the main you're obviously going to get the odd error now the one problem you've got running the line is you're looking across and the nearest player in the middle of the penalty area could be 40 odd yards away from you and as the ball comes through, was it a deflection or who played the ball last? He can't see from that distance. All he sees is the end result of the ball ending up at the feet of the bloke who puts it in the back of the net. And um, this situation had happened in this game. Me as the referee in the centre of the field had a different angle on it altogether and could see that whilst there was a player in an offside position... It hadn't affected the goalkeeper at all, and it was Paul, I'm sure it was Paul Robinson, hadn't affected the goalkeeper at all. So I've gone across 
to the lino, had a quick chat with him and made my mind, unlike VAR now that I was sticking to my decision, I firmly and to this day believe that I was right. So at the end of the game, there's this bit of confusion and someone from the TV company came in and said, would you go in? And I've gone into the press conference room and did this quick couple of minutes. And the press, even though when they reported the incident afterwards, even though they didn't necessarily agree with me, I got a much fairer hearing than... um, And, you know, well, the referee at least came and told us his thought process. And, yes, it would help in some ways, but the truth of the matter is the media wouldn't want to speak to the referee unless they perceived the referee had got something wrong. Yeah, yeah. They would interview him and saying, it, oh, you've had a fantastic Yeah, well today. done, ref. No cautions, <laughs> no sending-offs, wonderful advantages, brilliant, get on with it. Um, and you, the authorities, well, if you go on television and make a tit of yourself and say the wrong thing, because the problem is by the time the referee gets on after a game, within five minutes after the game... TV has shown the incident 101 times. Mm. So if a referee then comes on and hasn't really had a chance to view it and is saying, well, I didn't think it was a penalty because this, that, and the other, and everybody else has seen it and knows he's got it wrong, it's going to make the referee look, look stupid. But on that subject of what the authorities want to do and want you not to do, I refereed Man United, Leeds United... Um, which is always a slightly lively affair at Old Trafford. And I've um, cautioned Alan Smith, which in fairness wasn't the hardest thing to do because he, um, <laughs> once he went over the... He was one of those guys, you, t- you guys probably know him a lot better than Who's I. Who's he playing for at this, this time? He was playing for... He was playing for Leeds United. He was playing for Leeds United at the time, I can remember now. And he was one of these guys who seemed to be quite quiet off the pitch, but once he went over the white line, God, he could he could whinge for England and um, with a nasty side to him. So I'd cautioned him during the game, got home, watched match of the day, and I'd got it wrong. The tackle was nothing. From my angle, looking through legs and everything else, it just wasn't a yellow card, and that didn't rest easy with me. Now, once you've done the yellow card, you've got to put the paperwork in, and, and that's the end of it. Um, the yellow card's got to stand. But I did my report, and in those days you used to actually have to do a, a written report, and I've put how at the end, I've just finished up, but however... With the benefit of hindsight, having seen the replay, I got that one wrong. And had I seen it the way it actually happened, I wouldn't have administered the caution. And Leeds United had the caution wiped out, but I got a bollocking. Sign of weakness. I'm going, fuck off. Oh. It's not a sign of weakness, it's honesty. Yeah. I've, got it, I've got it wrong. When you know you've done something wrong, I think... You can't, two wrongs don't make a right, but you can't rest easy and think, look, that lad's one game nearer a suspension or whatever for something that I now realise I've got wrong. And to be quite honest, even though I don't think the refs nowadays would get a chance to hold their hands up to that, um, 
I'd do the same if I was still refing. That's probably why I wouldn't last in the present game. I would do the same again. I got it wrong, end of. Here's one for you, Jeff. And somebody got in touch, but I hope this is true. Oh, was this a fight, could be embarrassing. <laughs> was a fight between Graham Paul and Mark Halsey broken up by Uriah Rennie at a team-building weekend in the Lake District? Well, this is a wonderful get-out-of-jail card for winter. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'd retired by then, if that's true. I hope it is true. I mm. know that if a fight a fight had broken out between Mark Halsey and Graham Paul... At a team-building weekend in the isolated Lake District Cottage. No, well, I wasn't there. <laughs> oh, sounds I'd like finished. a good venue. <laughs> sounds like stuck in sounds like yeah. it, doesn't it? All I would say is it wouldn't have been a fight because Taxi, as Mark Halsey's nickname was, because he used to be a taxi driver, he'd have ripped his head off. <laughs> and if Uriah Ron- Rennie had broke it up, he'd have had the pair of them. <laughs> and if I'd have been there, I'd have been first in. Don't you worry. <laughs> so... I can't, unfortunately, I've tried to be open and honest with you. I can't speak on that one. But I know there were there were times, you know, where you hear your stories, well, the famous one, poor John's going to get a mention again, isn't he? John Hartson, where he kicks one of his teammates in the head in training. Things happen, and, you know, there would be difference of opinion, but I never, ever saw any fisticuffs on our camp. Did you have Christmas do's? Oh, yes. Fancy <laughs> Oh, I was the social secretary. <laughs> Did we have Christmas dose? Can you just imagine, like, a team in a in a bar in Dublin and fucking 23 reps coming. In fancy dress. You fucking wankers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, the social side, you can paint this animosity and jealousy and competitiveness, different characters... But when we all got together, we, we could have a good night. And because um, we were based, we I remember r- arranging a Christmas do one year and we went into rugby, which wasn't far from where we were based. And it was, you know, it was well away from... You didn't go out on the piss on a Friday night with a game on the Saturday. It was done sensibly, or if there was an international shutdown and those of us who weren't on the international list stayed at home and we would have a night out. But why not? I mean... Despite what some people believe, referees are actually human beings. <laughs> and, um, you know, they go to the toilet, as I have um, <laughs> mentioned earlier. And some were drinkers, so, some weren't. It, now, under the law of Riley, where every, every referee's got to be a robot, um, I don't suppose they are allowed to do anything. Because, I mean, the fitness tests and, you know, everything you monitored... You, you, well, if you want to get to the top in sport nowadays, it it isn't like it was in the old days where you could be daft, but you did let your hair down at the end of a season and like there, were, there were a few tales that could make me a lot of money, <laughs> but um, as you lads well know... What goes on tour stays on tour. Wow. Does it? I'd like to think that Graham Paul goes back to his room. Someone's done his room. <laughs> beds on, bed, beds upside. Shit in his pillar or something. Yeah. Oh, um, who told you about that? <laughs> <laughs> that did actually happen, I think, <laughs> during my time, and um, allegedly, and I didn't have an alibi. <laughs> Can you know the referees now? Then can they? Do you think they'll be able to question Riley? 
You know, in these meetings and that, you think they best say, I think you're wrong. Or, or is it basically, do they yes. all just yes, sir, no, sir. fucking tickling well, balls? When people, when you go back to the era when I worked in a bank, which I did, by the way, this isn't, a, I was a banker, which is where <laughs> we heard, which is where the famous terrace chant came from. Because <laughs> whenever I refereed, when every time I refereed, the fans used to sing the referees a banker, <laughs> and oh, that's what it sounded like from where I was on the pitch. But it was you were professional, but it was a part-time role. Now the referees at the highest level now. Are on mega bucks. They are really not. They're not on. They they earn a year what the top players are earning a week, um, but it's still big money. You know, a, a long career with a job after it. When I finished, got the cup final, got me medal. Goodbye, good night. You're gone. Now they get pensions. They get severance pay at the end of the contract. They're well looked after, and in fairness, so they should be. Um, it, it's, a, it's a totally, totally different world to what it was in, in my day, but it's still a job. Now, for all those that are going to criticise the referee and say they should show the balls, they should stand up with the bosses and disagree with that, disagree with the other, let's transfer it to the average man in the street. You're 33-year-old, you're earning upwards of 150 grand a year, you've got a job for life that unless you're stupid, is going to have you as a millionaire, your family and everything is going to be fat, sound. Jude going to work on a Monday morning, creating fuck with your boss and saying you don't want this, you don't want yeah, that, yeah. or do you tow the party line? Now, I'm not going to criticise anybody that puts family and their life first. So I don't know the answer. I'm not involved in any way, shape or form with the hierarchy or indeed with many people in the game on that side of the game, but I do understand now the, they've got the professionalism, they've got the you know the fitness, the the mental health health issues, and all the support just like players do. But if the boss says jump, I would imagine it's a case of how high. Mm. We're on to the mental health. Have you ever seen any anybody go under and struggle like oh maybe made one of these high profile wrong decisions? We certainly, you know, in, in, in my time, you know, there's a lot of things that have been there forever that were never, ever mentioned. And there were times when, as a group, so I've talked about the cliques and the, the different attitudes, but in fairness, when the shit did hit the fan, we all came together. And um, the media can be very, very cruel, and there was sort of high-profile instances like... You know, God rest him, he's no longer with us, Paul Alcock, who got pushed over by Decanio, and he was made to be the idiot who'd, you know, like a Bambi on ice. But when you're refereeing in the Premier League at that level, the last thing you expect is for a player to run at you, push you over, and fall on the floor. And obviously, he is then made to feel an idiot. Everybody's an expert. Even now, God knows what it must like to be refereeing because it doesn't matter whether you're talking about Brexit, the Ukraine, um, COVID. Every fucker's an expert, aren't they? From a 14-year-old kid on Facebook and Twitter, everybody knows everything. And it's not nice in any walk of life. 
And most people will never know or appreciate that this no. when the newspapers, the television is basically ridiculing you. And you have to be bloody strong to handle that. Um, and the referees do have a support system for that. Um, but referees are not liked. They never have done. They're like the ugly sisters at the Panda Man. <laughs> Everybody goes there to boo them. And, you know, the referee that is having issues after being ridiculed for an honest mistake, well, it's his fault. He chose to be a referee, you know. Nobody's going to have too much sympathy. But I'm sure there are guys that have been affected and it can be, you know, so damaging, not only to their career as a referee, but more importantly, to their life. Mm. Do they get taken out the limelight? Do they get... Do they... Miss a week, or do they get dropped down to the championship? But then just again, to the, me, the media lamp onto that is yeah. he's being dropped. Yeah. On you know, the it spotlight, it, it makes it worse. Mm. And that isn't always the case. If you've had a major problem, a real biggie, then it makes sense to take you out and give you. But then people will turn around and say, we don't want him. He was shitting. That's, I was about to say that. I thought, right, you, you know why you're reffing us today? Because you were fucking crap last week. <laughs> Do you know why you're playing for Barnsley in Division <laughs> One? <laughs> now we're gonna get into I'm not. I'm not years. picking. I'm not picking on Barnsley. I'm not picking on you. But there is a reason. And if this, if it happened that way, that Manchester United centre forward was crap last week and went down to play in Division One this week. There's a very, very fair chance he'd probably score half a dozen, or he'd be the star man on the pitch. His class would stand out. It might be an argument I lose with your listeners, but I can tell you something. If you see a top flight referee, as we talked about, Mike, Mike Dean did the Middlesbrough Derby game a few weeks ago, with his experience in Europe and at the highest, biggest high profile games. When he comes down and referees in the championship, he stands out like yeah. a sore I think thumb. I think, I was, just, I think I was just more to get myself through it. You know, just to mourn at somebody else yeah. about myself. Really. Yeah. Would you, you have ever done that? Um, Mark Lattenberg. And Mark it? came onto the league the season after I finished. But would you have ever gone to, say, Qatar for a new challenge? Like um, he did. Did you say, would I ever have gone to if, Qatar for about a quarter of a million quid? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> funnily enough, funnily enough, funnily enough, I'm not too sure the challenge comes in. And <laughs> a fucking run it, run it. Had a swam. It's a long one. I'm not. I'm not the best of swimmers. Um, in fairness to Mark, Mark was a quality referee. Um, he was a character as well. He wasn't treated particularly well because he wasn't there. His face didn't fit with people at the FA. And um, he could have continued on. He'd have been our World Cup referee and, you know, he'd have been up there. But he'd done as much as he could do domestically. He'd refereed the cup finals and, and everything else. And he got the opportunity to go abroad and set himself, family up for the rest of his life. Player, and get right? you, get weighed in. Yeah. You, sh you show me anyone in life, referee. But again, if that had been a player going out... And they said, oh, he could have had a few more years in the Premier League, but he's gone to the Indian Super League <laughs> or Chinese Super League. Good on him. Fucking referees going out to fill the boat. No, <laughs> no different. Of course you would. He's got a big move. But you're basically just, as a referee, you can't win. Can Gosh, you? I mean, if I simple things with, with refereeing. One, if you want to win friends and influence people, 
don't become a referee. <laughs> if you want to be popular and loved, you know, don't become a referee. Become a referee because you love football. The only difference between myself and yourselves is that you could do what I couldn't do. If you could say to me, swap your career as being a referee to have played a couple of dozen times for Middlesbrough. Well, he had a bit, got the PFA badge and I wouldn't have had to pay for my own fucking knee operation <laughs> where you lot get everything paid for you. Neil Madison's hearing aids, he, he, he got them for the PFA. <laughs> I, had, I had to pay for these. Um, not, not bitter at all, though. But, um, no, if I could have been a footballer, be a footballer. But if you weren't good enough, which I wasn't, um, to still be involved in a game that we all love was fantastic. Why do it? You do sometimes scratch your head. But to get my serious head on, not for the first time today, and say, if you haven't got a referee, you haven't got a game of football. Mm. So someone's got to do it. I wouldn't change a thing. Mistakes, embarrassing situations. Loved every minute of it, but it's getting harder. They get the rewards, and with the rewards um, comes the problem. But you're never going to be loved. You're never going to be right. If you're going for a pint, which three referees would you take? Were you past or present? And which three would you not? <laughs> well, we're talking about a pint of red wine here. Are we talking about a pint of beer? <laughs> Previous generation, and it's funny in the northeast of England, we've always had going back to Kevin Howley, you know, before your time, but he was a great referee. Pat Partridge, George Courtney. George Courtney was up there. I loved Keith Hackett. Um, he, I loved him perhaps because he was a big lad like myself and he, he took control of games. Of the present de- generation, I would say Mike Dean, because he's a nutter. Good <laughs> banter, great entertainment. I'd say Mark Halsey, because Mark's a lovely, lovely lad, but you could wind him up, um, somewhat rotten. And of my generation, whoa, I'm going to fall out with a few people here, but my roommate, um, and funnily enough, he was at the Borough last night working, Eddie Wollstone-Home, um, great bander. We, we had some laughs, loved it. Best years of my life being involved in the pro game as a full-time referee. Who wouldn't I take? Well... After much consideration, I think Graham Paul might be in there. In fact, I'm fucking certainly, (laughs) certainly be in there. Hey, and don't get me wrong, I respect him as a referee. He just lived his life differently to me. Which other ones wouldn't I be in there? All his cronies, the red, the red wine wine What was his song? He had a song, Paul, didn't he? Well, no. Excuse me. You know, Lennon and McCartney get the the rights and the royalties to songs then this song I should be getting money for. And I didn't originate it, but it's, I took it onto the after-dinner circuit. And funnily enough, I can't be totally wrong because the punters liked it. Um, I was fourth official to Polly at um, Derby Man City in the Premier League. First time I ever heard it, the Derby County fans. Oh, Graham Pole is a fucking asshole. <laughs> and... 
I mean, in fairness, Polly looked across at me and I'm on the halfway line and I'm just creased. And, <laughs> and he looked at me and he was laughing because, you know, I mean, the referee's a wanker. We've been through that one. Who's the bastard in the black? Go on, if you're going to... I remember, you know, you're not fit to referee. And sometimes you don't actually need the words. I refereed Newcastle Blackburn Rovers. And this was quite a, probably one of the greatest achievements in my career as a referee where um, I got both sets of fans booing me at the same time. <laughs> I mean, normally you've got one set, um, but the Blackburn Rovers fans joined in with the Newcastle fans and the whole ground was reverberating, uh, you're not fit to referee or whatever. <laughs> so, um, good times. What was the question? I fucking have lost it now. I'm getting my hair <laughs> cut in a quarter of an hour, so you know what I mean? I've uh, totally lost it. Who, 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 give us the player that you hated refereeing. I didn't like players you couldn't have banter with, you know. That Steve Staunton. Steve Staunton's in there. One of the worst was Thomas Repka. Do you remember him? Played for yeah. West Ham. Mm. Hard I as think nails. He, he got sent off in his first two games for West Ham, if memory serves me right. And the first or second time was at the Riverside against the Borough. And maybe it was the language difference or whatever, but you've caught it. He's, he's committed a clear cut yellow card. And um, no argument, it's a yellow card. Yeah, go on, big man, you send me <laughs> off. You, you ma make your day. And fucking give me half a chance. <laughs> I never, in fairness, I never did, but, you know, I mean, I never got... A, you've, you've got to do the other side of the coin because here's me having a go at some people. They'll give you more than that back with me. I never got on with Danny Mills. Um, I sent him off for uh, Leeds United at Arsenal and um, him and I never got on. I, I, I'm not too sure he was the most popular player in, in dressing rooms, but he said something derogatory about me on a podcast. wasn't this one, was it? He said something derogatory about me on a podcast. So this is just fucking payback time. <laughs> I think it might have been. Was that? Right? It, it was. They're sending off a Tuesday night. A Monday night on yeah, the telly. Leeds ended up with nine men. And um, they still won, by the way. Yeah, they won 3-2. At Highbury. And um, it was an eventful game. And he did. It was this like you fucking like. <laughs> we giving the, off. Giving the, the likes of Danny Mills a platform to slide <laughs> me off. Well, now it's payback time. And um, no, he, because he, he'd been cautioned, and then he kicked the ball into. Um, Robert Perez was down on the floor. And he's flicked the ball at him in an aggressive manner <laughs> with excessive force to use re to use re referees terminology so I'll give him a second yellow and I, I think from that day on he um, he doesn't speak to Ali and me so we didn't get on well um, and then I'd like to think and you lads know better than I some people you like some people you don't like some people you respect some people you don't but overall you know which refs you're going to get on with, but you still doesn't matter whether you like them or don't like them. You're gonna if you can get away with something on a pitch, that's part and parcel, isn't it? Yeah. That's why we have referees, and I don't think there was there's no one I would say that I there's others you could talk to, but there's no one I'd really say I hated refereeing him because I always had the ultimate power. If I hated refereeing him that much. 
He went off, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> One nil to the referee. <laughs> so, and like I say, I used to, I used to um, enjoy keeping 22 players on the pitch. And if the headlines were about other people, then great. Didn't stop the Sunday people giving me fucking two out of ten. <laughs> but believe it or believe it not, I'm no longer a referee. I'm now a football fan, but I still get asked questions about fucking refereeing. And I'm going to Perth tonight to watch Rangers play. I don't care about the referee. I just want the team I'm supporting to win. Yeah. So that's it. Closed, closed on refereeing subjects for now and ever. <laughs> what, what haircut are you going for? Um, well, I used to always be infamous for the goatee beard um, or the Velcro patch, as I prefer to call it, <laughs> um, and the number one with naught on the wood. But now I've rediscovered myself. I'm fighting age, like so it. I'm just having a little bit on the top. What a fucking subject. I never thought I'd be talking about this. <laughs> And it's in Stockton, and we're in Stokesley, and my appointment's in 10 minutes' time. No, we're we're just apologize. let you get off so you look in your best tonight for oh, uh, the big be game. be my best for the trip up to Perth and back. But, um, we appreciate you coming yeah, on. I really enjoyed really that. Much, mate. Really, really, really enjoyed, enjoyed that. It. And what, the only question that's really close to my heart, and, and it really is going to hit my pride, was I better than Wheats? Oh, fucking 100%. That's all yeah. right. You knew that, though. Yeah, bef even before I came yeah. on. <laughs> You haven't got any dick tricks, have you? Like Weiss. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.